Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Hello, wrestling fans. Welcome to the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Nate and Kyle here with you, and uh, we were just talking for about 15 minutes off the air and decided maybe since we're talking deep and doing a deep <coughs> dive into wrestling, we should actually start recording this shit. Yeah. But welcome to this week's show. This week we will be doing a top 10, top 10 rival, our personal top 10 favorite rivalries of all time. Aaron will be with us in just a little bit. But, um, well, I guess we'll hit the ground running here just to um, to get everybody caught up to speed of what we were talking about. We were talking about Ring of Honor, New Japan, Ring of Honor's product being uh, a good product, New Japan working with Ring of Honor, and will that deteriorate as New Japan moves into the States? Well, and like I was going to say before, uh, you, uh, fuck, what is the name of the, the Jackson the Young team? Bucks. Young Bucks. Your Young Bucks, your Kenny Omegas, and stuff like that. I mean, they're an American based wrestlers and i'm i don't know are they with ring of honor and licensed out to new japan well the young bucks actually work for both promotions kenny omega is actually just a new japan he's just signed to new japan he is not signed to ring of honor he's not signed well see and that's where it's going to be interesting because you have the split of the bullet club and everything else Mm -hmm. and And it, it plays out on both programs it plays out in both promotions and I mean, honestly, they they put more emphasis on it in New Japan. Um, in Ring of Honor, they they work. It's fun. It's funny how it works because they kind of work it into their Ring of Honor storylines, but it's not a lead storyline in Ring of Honor. You know, right, like, right. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when those guys aren't there every week, it's hard to you know, right. And then you have you have your. Uh, the Haku faction of the Bullet yeah. Club um, that has nothing to do with Ring of Honor. Tama Tonga, all those guys aren't even on Ring of Honor. Um, and uh, you know the ring, and they did. I mean, they they played up the the tension between Cody and Marty Skrull and and the Young Bucks on Ring of Honor. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, if if, if that falls apart, um, I think Bullet. I I believe Bullet Club is a trademark of New Japan. We'll see, and that's where the interesting part is going to be because, you know, and I would hope to God that Bullet Club, I guess, is New Japan's because it's mainly over there and it's what has brought them a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we have our personal views on people like Kenny Omega, but for and it, at the end of the day, he is behind wwe he is definitely the number one guy yeah he's the number one star in the world outside wwe now aaron and i were i was just having a conversation with aaron the other day i i don't hate kenny omega as a wrestler like 
the guy is a fantastic performer. I just have a bad taste in my mouth because of some of the things that he's done in the past that have shit on the business. And that's true. You know, I mean, I can't, I can't watch Kenny Omega wrestle Okada, and because I don't care for him, look at somebody and say, "Well, he's a shitty wrestler." I mean, that's that's bullshit. The guy's fantastic. You know, I mean, I'm not, I, I, I have no, no qualms about the fact that he's a fantastic wrestler. I just, I just don't, I personally don't have a respect for him because of, like I said, I mean, I, I, I guess in theory, really, I actually hate Joey Ryan more because, yeah. because Joey Ryan does things that shit on the business and I think he's a shitty wrestler. You know, I, I, well, I I've never seen a Joey Ryan match that impressed me in the least. Well, and the thing between Kenny Omega and Joey Ryan is like it's not like Kenny Omega's still doing those goofy antics. Right, he's gone away from it, and he's been more serious about it. Joey Ryan's still doing the fucking dick flip thing, right? And and, and, and that's another reason why I'll be honest. More and more, I you know, I, I and people change. Your opinions on people change. More and more, I've been watching Omega and not having that bad taste in my mouth. Because right. because because he's gone away from that, and because he's proven to me that he said, I mean, there's been wrestlers in WWE that have been like that for me. I was not at all. I hated I hated Jack Swagger when he first came to WWE. I hated that guy. Yep. And by the time he left WWE, I was sad he was gone. I became a fan. He made me a fan. Same with the Miz. I I wanted Miz to be gone forever, never let this guy near a wrestling ring again. And now I look at him as as one of the reasons I want to watch the WWE every week. So I mean, you know, people people your your opinions on people can change if they can change. So Right. And I don't know. I guess to me it's also one of those things that you know, you give him, him credit where he's worked with top talent and learned Right, absolutely. And, and was able to actually not just, you know, think, oh, I know what I'm doing. Like Joey Ryan, I can't see him taking advice from, you know, legends in the business mm-hmm. and being serious about it. But, like, with Kenny Omega, it's like, I think, especially after the whole Jericho thing, he's really exploded. Right, yeah, and I, I told, like I said, I had a conversation with with Aaron about him the other day. I told Aaron, I said, what's going to happen is, okay, this is 2018. Um, WWE, I mean, the move to Fox, things are going to be changing in the WWE. And WWE is going to be looking for, I mean, you give it another couple of years, um, let's be honest, you give it another couple of years, Randy Orton is going to go the way of John Cena. He's going to start moving out, you know. Um, Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy's not going to be around forever. AJ Styles. AJ Styles is having the best time of his career. He's having the best moments, the best part, my personal opinion, of his career. I've been a mark for the guy since 2000. But yep. he's he's having he's having one of the best times of his career. And he... but. He is 40, what, 42? So, I mean, these guys are not going to be around forever. So my point is, I think within a couple of years, Kenny Omega is going to be in WWE, and Kenny Omega is going to be one of the biggest stars in the world. Oh, I definitely agree. And We're gonna, I'm going to try to bring Aaron into this call now. But go no, ahead, here, Kyle. But here's... Oh. 
I'm, just, I'm trying to bring Aaron into the call here, so go right ahead and keep on talking. Okay. I'm, I'm seeing is that and you're right, as we are getting to the point, and with Randy Orton, I don't see it even lasting five years. No. It seems and, like more than ever, he's getting hurt left and right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's <clears throat> been very injury prone. How long until it's just like, okay, look, you know, I, I can't keep doing this, guys. I can't keep coming out, and I see him, you know, stepping away, too. Mm-hmm. Probably even the next year. Yeah, and and it's, it's highly possible. And like I said, Jeff Hardy, uh, Matt Hardy. Uh, God, God forbid that a serious injury takes him out or yeah. takes any of those guys out. I mean... <laughs> All right, Aaron has joined us, I believe. Are you there? Yeah. All right, welcome. We're uh, we were just uh, talking modern product and stuff, and I was gonna ask Kyle because he said he had. Um... Are you guys recording? Yeah. Oh yeah, we're on the air. Well, that's weird because I was like trying to get on earlier and it said nobody was on, so I don't know what's going on. Well, we are here and we are gabbing. Yep. All right. so, welcome to the show. Thank um, you. So, Kyle, last week Aaron and I did some pay-per-view reviews, and uh, you were under the weather. Didn't get to yes. talk about yours, and yours was Fall Brawl 19 and 98. Yep. And uh, you said you had some thoughts you wanted to share with us and the listeners mm-hmm. that you didn't get to share. So why don't we roll into that? Okay. Um, so first off foremost, let's go ahead and deal with the elephant in the room. The fact that if, if you know your wrestling history, you know that the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, had his, basically the injury that killed him. Yeah, yeah, it started his a, spiral. During a match when they had a fucking trap door in the bottom of the ring for the Ultimate Warrior, and I believe it's this pay-per-view. Is this the is this the pay per view where he is it like him and Nightheart and Henning and Rude that whole deal? No, is then that, it must not be no. this. this oh no, no 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 no. This it is this pay per view. But what I was okay. saying was I I didn't know what kind of a match he was in on this pay per. No, he was fighting fucking Alex Wright and Disco Inferno. <laughs> Bulldog's like really that's what took me out, eh? <laughs> so I'm going to say this again, Jim Nightheart. British Bulldog fought Disco Inferno and Alex Wright. Just that's WCW, folks. And there was never a time where Davy looked worse than that time. He, God, he was so puffy and gross, and oh, so, terrible. So here's here's my biggest issue with the entire thing. Okay, so it's War Games, right? Right. Which means two rings. If you watch the pay-per-view completely, Ultimate Warrior, which, again, it's not even Warrior. I think it's the fucking Renegade that's dressed like the Warrior, comes out in the the first ring, which is Mm -hmm. the ring that they have their match in. Right. And they're alternating between rings throughout the night. So one match will be in one ring, the other match will be in another ring. Why have anybody in the ring that has the fucking trap door? Right. The stars aligned. (laughs) That's why you have two fucking rings. Why have anybody in the ring that has the fucking trap door? Why? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, it's, um, 
that's unfortunate. Now, mm, and granted, yes, that was that was what started the downward spiral for him. But I think Davy had that tendency anyway. And I'm not for no. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying it, I'm not saying that uh, that this didn't definitely push it along because it gave him that opportunity for also another addiction. But he um, he probably would have wound up dog meat anyway. <laughs> That's true. Which is, it's sad, you know that you. One but. of the, one of the uh, one of the best wrestlers of the '90s, the British Bulldog, and it's kind of sad how his career ended. Because I mean, you look at you look at mid '90s like WWF, and he was one of the best guys on the roster. Him and Bret Hart fucking headlined the biggest show in the fucking UK. In 1992, and then in fucking 98, six years later, he's fucking well, tag teaming with not, Jim Nighthart. Not even that, but I don't know if there is, in the entire year of 1995, I don't know if there's a better match in WWE, like Bell to Bell, than Bret Hart and the British Bulldog at the December in your house in '95. Yeah, I, I, just, well, I, don't, what you I saw. I saw a Mantar Freddie Joe Floyd match. <laughs> put put it to bed, huh? It's <laughs> off the rails, man. But but no, Aaron, don't I, you agree with me on that though? Like, I mean, is there a better '95 WWF pay per view match than that match? Uh. I'd have, to, Sean, I'd have to like you know, Sean, Sean and Razor have a good ladder match at SummerSlam '95, but it's not, it's not like, I don't know, yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not Mabel if, if it's if, if it's not the best, it's right up there. I mean, for what it's worth, um, that Shawn Michaels Jeff Jarrett match is really good. Oh yeah, it's really good too. But I don't know, just like with the rivalry that went into it, the story that went into it. The work that went into it, and you know, honestly, the blade job. I mean, yeah. I just that ma- to me, that's my favorite match of '95 in the WWF. Anyway, but sorry, we went off the rails here with your fall brawl. No, re- no, no. Report it, there, it's, mean it's still, I mean, this whole thing right here is the perfect example of what WCW did wrong. The fact that you had in 1997, Bulldog, Nightheart, Bret Hart. They were the biggest fucking thing going in the WWF. If you listen to Eric Bischoff, that didn't matter. Oh, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, and then he who's said, fucking he says, doesn't have Eric, a company anymore? Eric, Eric Bischoff says on his podcast that the, that, uh, the Bret Hart, Hart Foundation thing, he said it's all what he told Conrad Thompson, essentially. It's all well and good, but uh, was it drawing? It didn't draw, so why would I care about it? Well, see, and that okay. So here's something that I kind of wanted to bring up real quick, and I know we're going on a diatribe, but That's all right. you know, you hear all the time about people when though when WCW left, that we lost how many ever fans, those thousands of fans that just stopped watching. No, it's not that they stopped watching; it's that everybody watched both fucking products, right? Well, they and switch back and forth. If you judge by the if you ju- if you're judging by the end of WCW, it wouldn't be thousands of fans; it would be dozens. 
Well, this is true. But the, the point thing, is, my my the, point. The cat's mom was watching. Well, you, Judy Bagwell was watching. <laughs> my thing is, and it's the only thing I could really say to poke the holes or whatever in what Eric Bischoff says about, well, it wasn't drawing. People didn't care. And it's like, why'd you spend $3 million on it? Right. Oh, yeah. And Conrad Thompson asks him that, too. And, of course, he artfully dodges it, (laughs) kind of, you know. His his explanation for that is, well, I I can't even remember. It 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 was very, very artfully dodged, though. Like, that question was... Conrad called him under the carpet on that one. But, um... But my point to the whole thing is that if everybody's watching between both shows, because I know that you guys probably do the same thing I did. You're flipping between both. You know? Mm. Oh, Disco Inferno's on WCW? I'm going to flip it over to WWE and see what's going on. Right. Well, oh, fucking we, had a, we, had a, we had a classy VCR, and you could just record what was uh, going on in the other show. So I just recorded Nitro. Yeah, we usually just recorded Nitro and watched it, or watched the replay, one of the two. But oh yeah, that's right because you could watch the replay that night. Yeah, they, like, they'd have the replay at midnight, which was fucking stupid. <laughs> Actually, no, because then they could combine their rating mm-hmm. and say this is how many people watched our show. So it's actually from like a a sneaky media trick. Actually, a really ingenious idea. Right. But and yeah, so, the dollars. But the point is that everybody knows what's going on in the other show. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, the only other two things I have out of the show because it was kind of eh, was this is the fucking show that Jericho fights Goldberg. Well, it's <laughs> not even Goldberg; it's a fucking miniature person that looks like Goldberg, Greenberg. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't, it, wasn't it Greenberg? Bobby Heenan, Bobby Heenan has the greatest fucking line that I've ever heard. He said, just the thing, some poor fan in the Chiefs seats think that's Goldberg. <laughs> but it's great because, you know, of course it's a sham and he comes out with a fake title and blah, blah, blah. The fucking guy decides that he's going to try to spear fucking Jericho. Does it? Jericho gets up, he's like, you idiot! If you get a chance, watch it because it's great. Jericho's entrance is perfect. He gets lost in the backstage area. Oh, the, yeah. Trying that's to the do spi- the gold. It's, this is that's the one where he does the spinal tap thing. Yes. Yeah, he's trying to do the Goldberg entrance and gets lost. <laughs> so if you get a chance, watch that. That's pretty good. Then the War Games match. My God. So, oh God, it's an abortion. We're all familiar with War Games. War Games is that we're it's two teams. With, we're all familiar that before this match, War Games was a good match. Yeah, so it's two <laughs> fucking two teams. Each team comes out one after the other. Predominantly, it's well, always it's the heels first because you got to get that heat, and it goes until everybody's in the ring. Mm-hmm. And then the match can end. Not this fucking year. Is this? Weren't there three teams in this one? Yep. Yeah. Team oh, Wolfpack. Yeah. 
you had Team NWO, and you had Team WCW, and the match can end at any moment. So, Bret Hart and DDP, which on paper seems like it'd be an interesting match, because you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Nah, no. <laughs> Pretty much, he just proceeds to just be a clusterfuck. At one point, smoke fills up the fucking ring. Ultimate Warrior shows up. Then he most people were, most people were expecting X Pac to make his return with all the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what's the thing they always talk about cage matches? Oh, nobody can get in, nobody can get out. Mm-hmm. Hogan backpedals and leaves like a heel because he doesn't want to fight the Warrior because they're going to go on to a tremendous match next month at Halloween Havoc. That's going to involve fucking flash paper that goes horribly wrong. Yes. But so Warrior kicks out the fucking cage at the top and slides out and chases after him. So the only thing I could think of is like, my God, there's people who paid to see the confrontation between Hogan and Warrior and this is it. Like people paid to see Warrior and he's in the match maybe two seconds. Uh, isn't that most it's very par for the course for the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> oh my god! Especially it, later, yeah, this... especially later in his career. And yeah. then, and then, Aaron's favorite fucking wrestler in the world wins. Diamond Dallas Page that goes on to face Goldberg next month in the match that will fucking go down in infamy for <laughs> going on at eleven o'clock and cutting off. I'll be right back. Yes, there was in, in 1998 Halloween Havoc. They fucking did not format the show correctly, and they lost time. And the main event went on. It was right at eleven o'clock. It was so bad that they had to air the main event of their pay per view the next night the on next Nitro. Night. Oh, <laughs> and of course they say, "Oh, this isn't a ratings ploy." This is but actually if you watch WCW. Like if you if you sit down on the WWE network and do crazy things like a crazy person like I do, where you watch things in chronological order, you just take an entire fucking whatever's on the WWE network of this said company and just watch it all. Yep. When you watch WCW from beginning to end, I'm going to be honest, and I, I didn't think about this until I realized which pay per view you had, and now that we're talking about all this and everything. This pay-per-view is actually where, like, it started to really, really end. Like, yep. it's so bad. And then after that, all the mistakes and all the shit that went down, and it's just so bad. So bad. Yeah, you can point to this. This is it right here because Cause, I after mean, this. In a lot of ways, you can point to, like, I've always pointed to Starcade 97 because they missed the opportunity with Sting. Right, you know they they screwed it up. They missed the opportunity with Sting and everything. But this one is just like it's the first one where you're like, Jesus Christ, this is well, terrible. Yeah, they missed the opportunity with Sting, but they had Goldberg in the, right. their back pocket. Right. And if there's one thing that we know WCW likes to do, it's fuck up a good thing. <laughs> now, what I will say, Aaron, you back? Yeah. All right. What I will, because I wanted you to be part of this, because uh, Kyle was talking about Hogan. And Warrior, Hogan backing off from Warrior. 
And that's another thing. If you if you go back now and you watch in retrospect, if you watch with 2020 vision, you know, during the Monday Night War, to be honest, I mean, we all had our sides. We all picked our sides. Everybody had their favorite promotion. I was a WWF guy. Actually, even before the Monday Night War, Aaron knows this, I was a WWF guy. I was all about the WWF. WCW, I'd watch it. It was wrestling. It was all right, but it wasn't the WWF. Am I right, Aaron? Yeah, but I know where you're going. But watching now in retrospect, when you get to watch with 2020 vision and you get to watch objectively and you're not too caught up in a Monday Night War or a war between the promotions, Hulk Hogan, okay? Back then, your perception of Hulk Hogan was... This guy's Hulk Hogan. He's he's all for himself. He's he's um, everything. He's always got to be on. He's always got to be involved in the main thing and blah blah blah. And Hulk Hogan and shitting on Hulk Hogan, et cetera, et cetera. I watch now, twenty years later, with hindsight, and I look at Hogan's career from the beginning of. If you want to talk about from 94 to 96, you're absolutely right. Hulk Hogan fucked everybody. He fucked Ric Flair. He fucked Vader. He fucked everybody except his buddy Brutus Beefcake. And he even fucked him too. And he used WCW as a vanity project for two years. But when he joined the NWO in 96 and he turned heel, I have to say this. Hulk Hogan proved how good he was. And he became one of the best heels in the business. Because Hollywood Hulk Hogan, although, yes, he was always, you know, he always had the belt. He was always in the title picture, et cetera, et cetera. First of all, big deal, he drew. There's not there's not a bigger draw in wrestling history than Hulk Hogan. Second, Who else on that roster should have had the belt? Well, no, no. And, and also, also, if you watch, he, okay, he was a champion for like a year and a half. But he never, ever, ever beat the baby face fairly. There no. was always a controversy. There was always interruption. There was fucking heat. And he always, always, always... Uh, and, uh, you can say this more for Hogan than Triple H. He always put over his baby face. He ran from Ultimate Warrior. He was petrified of the giant. Yeah, he beat the giant in the end, because, but that's because five of his friends come out and help him. You know what I mean? Like, Hogan was a fan. He was a better heel than he was a babyface. Like, at the Hollywood Hulk Hogan from, like, 96 until the stupid finger poke of doom when the NWO should have been done and they kept doing it and they shouldn't have. But from 96 to 98, that heel Hulk Hogan... <laughs> is fucking amazing. Yep. And it and it I mean he 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 was he was, you you look at it and you you look at it the big picture and you look at his title reigns and everything and you think ah he's selfish. But then you actually watch and you see how unselfish he actually was. And, yeah. I mean I don't know if I'm talking out of my ass or what, but this is no, just my observation. Absolutely not brother speaking of hogan and everything else he is finally back in the hall of fame yeah which he never should have been out of it in the first place no and i've seen a lot of people you know 
bitching online that he's back in it. And I, I, I understood. I understood. I would understand WWE distancing themselves from him during that period of time because they're, they're a publicly traded corporation. All right? Yep. And that's all well and good. And I understand saying we're not really going to put a big emphasis on this guy on our TV show because we're a publicly traded organization. But by no means or anything should they have ever, to me, rescinded his Hall of Fame status. Because I promise you, I promise you that Ric Flair, Bruno Sammartino, um, give me another Hall of Famer. Bill Watts. Bill Watts. Andre the Giant. Um, Pat Patterson. Eh, maybe not Pat. Yeah, maybe Pat Patterson. Every single one of those white guys that grew up in the between the 1920s and the 1970s has said the N-word in their personal life somewhere, sometime. Am I wrong? No. I, I promise you they have. And, 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 and yes, he had a scandal. And yes, it was on tape. And yes, he shouldn't have said what he said in private, in a private conversation that he thought was a private conversation. But like I told Aaron on the show last week, if we were all judged by what we say in a private conversation in any private conversation we ever have any random private conversation we ever have anybody on this planet was judged by their random conversations everybody would be a disgrace to the human race yep well and here's the so yeah, anyway, what we'll do now is we will take a break and we're going to come back here with the We Can't Wrestle podcast and when we return we are going to talk our top 10s. It is the top 10, our personal favorite top 10 rivalries of all time in wrestling history. So stay tuned to the We Can't Wrestle podcast, folks, and we'll be back right after this. Back to the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. Nate, Aaron, and Kyle here with you, and we're about to start our top tens, top ten personal favorite rivalries of all time, of all time. And I have a couple of honorable mentions that I'll talk about later. But um, I guess I've been voted to go first this time around, so I'll take that. And actually, I didn't put mine this time in any particular order. Um, I guess the first one that I wrote down would be my favorite, but. I'll just go from the bottom and work my way up. Top 10 favorite rivalries of all time in wrestling are personal favorites. Um, and there may even be some that aren't on my list because I figured everybody else would put them on their list. So we'll go from there. Well, what I tried to kind of do too was like I kind of tried to make it one wrestler per rivalry because it's like if you're not, you're going to have might have the same damn wrestler on there five, six times. Right. And it's like, I wanted to kind of spread it out a little bit. And for the same reason too, it's like, I didn't want to name just the same ones. So. And there's so many great rivalries in the history of wrestling. Oh God. Yeah. 
So my first one that I'm going to talk about, that we're going to talk about here, is world-class championship wrestling. It is the Von Erichs and the Freebirds. <laughs> Starting off strong, already got me. <laughs> I mean, that rivalry popped a territory for two years. And Aaron, yeah, that rivalry also resulted in what? Dang. Dang. <laughs> what do you guys think? Von Eric's Freebirds. It's not on my list, but, I mean, it was almost on it, but. It is one of those rivalries where it did what it needed to do, where it wasn't even just between the two of them. It was, it could be, you know, one of the brothers versus, you know, Sorry, cut out there for a second. It could be one of the brothers versus, you know, Mr. Dude, 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 and people would still fucking pay well, for it. And like I said, it, it popped the territory, and it's almost like, um, and I didn't put it on my list, but it's almost like Raven and Dreamer in ECW. So many things popped off of that feud that popped the territory for like two years. So, I mean, to me, it has to go down as one of the greats. Yep. And it's great to see that, you know, you have more than just one guy being in the feud, mm-hmm. where it made more than just two people. It, it that really was, you know, I mean, it put everybody on the map. Yeah, absolutely. Me. All right, isn't that what a good rivalry should do? Anything else on that one, Aaron? Nope. All right, you're pretty quiet tonight. Sorry. I had a long day. Next one on my list, Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. Not on mine, but that is a good poll. They had amazing matches. You have two, like, super real athletes in the ring doing their thing. And um, everything they did was believable. There were heel turns, face turns, you know. And, and, I mean, let's not forget that match at WrestleMania 19. Yeah, where Brock broke his well, broke his fucking yeah, neck. Almost killed himself. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't have done it to begin with. True. True. Yeah, the guy that size fucking... But anything else on Angle and Lesnar? It just... It's, it's a believable few because... From everything I understand, the guys like each other personally, but... But when you're at that high, anybody, le- anybody that's in that style of like, I was, I, I'm, I'm friends with like, and it's not the same level, you know. But I went to school. I was friends with the guys that were wrestlers. You know what I mean, like right. amateur wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And even though you like each other and you respect each other, you don't like each other. You know what I mean? Right. Like there, it's like I know I'm better than you. I know I can take you. When you're that at, type of thing. When you're at a high level in anything that you do, your 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 best your, I mean, in in the high levels that I've been at in in the management world, my best friends professionally were also my highest competitors too. Yeah, yeah. And they just yeah, they, I mean, to me, they tore the house down. Every match they had was super believable. Um, 
and like I said, they they had heel turns and face turns within the feud, and yes, they were they were frequent, but they always made sense. My favorite thing they did was the Iron Man match. It they is, had on SmackDown. Yeah, it is. It is an awesome. It's one of the better Iron Man matches, actually. Where Brock lets think... himself get disqualified a few times because he knows he can take the guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like he's so, he's showing that he doesn't care if he lets himself get like four upped because he knows he's going to be able to take this guy down five more times. You know what I mean? That's right. that's my favorite thing they did, even more so than WrestleMania nineteen. I like the Iron Man match. All right. Next on my list, it um, it has its roots in Lucha. It moves to WCW in the 90s, and then it even moves into the WWE in the 90s, early or the early 2000s. And that's Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. That's a good one. It's a very good one. I'm kind of mad that I didn't. They actually have my favorite ladder match at SummerSlam 05. I'm your poppy. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to sidetrack here because I brought up Eddie Guerrero and I was, I, w- I was thinking about that. I was going to ask... I think I might have asked the question. Did I ask you guys the question when we got to ask ourselves the question of what what makes us happy when we watch it in wrestling? What makes us smile? Yeah. Eddie Guerrero. I have to say it repeatedly and repeatedly. I can't... I don't watch Eddie Guerrero or anything Eddie Guerrero and not smile. That's Tori Wilson, isn't it? Like, whether he's good or bad or whatever he's doing. I mean, I can watch... Uh, a few weeks ago, I, I wound up watching the Eddie Guerrero tribute shows they did after he died for Raw and SmackDown, and and I still choked up a little bit. You know, even after what over ten, thirteen years now since he's been gone, and him and him and Ray had a chemistry, and they worked so well in the ring together. And I mean, you could just you can just tell watching them perform a quote unquote against each other. You can tell how much they loved each other, and. It just to me it was magic. Their rivalry was magic. You know, and you're talking about your favorite ladder match. I think my absolute favorite match between those two is uh at Halloween is it Halloween Havoc nineteen ninety six? Yes. Jesus Christ, did they fucking put on uh I mean to me that is a five star match right there. Oh yeah, they made everything else on the car look subpar. It's funny because they have that match, and then um, you know WCW follows it up with Hogan and Piper in, or not Hogan and Piper. I'm sorry, Hogan and Savage doing probably their worst work in their rivalry, and then Piper coming out and whatever. But yeah, Eddie and Ray definitely one of my favorites. What makes me smile the most is is Tori Wilson. <laughs> Anytime she's on, I'm I'm super happy. You're smiling. I'm smiling. All right, next on my list, we go to the mid '90s WWF, and it's Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. Hey, yo. hey, not on my list, but it should be. 
Nate, uh, you've knocked nothing off my list yet. All right. That's a good pull. Uh, Michaels and Ramon, I mean, you go to, obviously it all starts, it all starts, it all starts with Sean, uh, losing his smile for the first time or whatever, pissing off and going home, but then Razor wins the vacant intercontinental title, you move into the ladder match, I mean, they, and then all through, he didn't lose his smile on that one. Oh yeah, well, he Took his ball he, and went he home. failed a drug test. <laughs> lost it. Lost his dealer. They said he was on steroids, and he said, "How can I be on?" According to him, he said, "How can I be on steroids, Vince? I'm super fat. You know, <laughs> I've been drinking beers and matching beer and beer with Kevin Nash and drinking or eating like just eating burger to burger with Kevin. He he bas- he claimed somebody slipped something in his drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what he claimed. See, okay, hang on a second. See, that's what bugs me about these documentaries and these fucking books. Because on one token, on one side, they'll say, oh, I think somebody slipped me something in my drink. But then on another DVD, he'd be like, well, I'm taking pills here and there. And someone gives me well, something. Well, no, 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 no. He's saying that if it would have been something that he would have taken, and he, if it would have been something he got flagged for on his test because he took it, he would have manned up and taken his suspension. But he got, he technically, they said he got popped for steroids and he no, said right. he was on steroids. Right, right, right. I'm just saying that he, I've heard on this DVD the different, different variation of the story. Right. And, well, I'm just saying that, that, no, that wasn't, saying that wasn't him losing his smile. That was him. No, I'm just saying that's. Peeing in a cup. Especially with Hulk Hogan. Goddamn, is it, the fucking stories are always different. Oh. You can't believe anything Hulk Hogan says. You can't believe and, it. And, and, and just to just to say this, everything I've read because they apparently didn't tape the apology, which I'm super glad they didn't because that would have been even worse. From what I understand, the reason people are pissed off, and I kind of would have been too if I was sitting there listening to this guy talk. He didn't apologize per se, according to what some people have said about using that language. He basically said, you know, that he would have never said what he said if he knew he was being recorded. And that's not how he should have said it. No, poor poor choice in words. Poor choice of words. So if I'm sitting there and I'm an African-American person, okay, and none of us can know what that word's like unless you're an African-American person. Right. Would we all agree? Yeah. Yeah. If I'm sitting there and there's this six-year-old white guy and he's supposed to apologize to me and he goes, Brother, I never would have said it if I knew I was being recorded. I'm going to be like, yeah, you're a disingenuine fuck. Right. Actually, can I, can I ask can I tell you something? Yeah. Um... You know how you know how they they call white people crackers. Yeah. Okay, and that's because uh, we used to crack the whip. Uh, okay. That's what it meant for the longest time. I thought it was because saltine crackers were white. <laughs> oh, you're such a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> Only a cracker would think that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so I'm uh, 
Soul Team? And what's Soul even teams? what's even more awesome about this conversation right now is I have a bowl full of white cheddar cheeses in front of me, so that's great. Yeah. All right. I go good with soup. <laughs> so speaking of David Duke and Donald Trump's favorite wrestler, Hulk Hogan is next on my list. Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man Randy Savage. Well, that's the first one knocked off my list. Mm-hmm. You know what? He's not on mine. Or he is on mine, but for something completely different. Who's he? Hulk Hogan. Savage and Hogan have probably the for me anyway as a young wrestling fan Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage is probably the most vivid first real feud that I that I remember I watched wrestling before that but it was the first one their rivalry was the first one that really captured my imagination I even remember I even remember that I I remember Hogan and, and Andre, but for me, in my formative years, Hogan and, and Savage was the first one that really captured my imagination. Randy Savage was, for me as a kid, he was the wrestling bad guy, and Hulk Hogan was the wrestling good guy, you know? And to me, I think it's the first... Um. I shouldn't even say, like, how do I want to say it? It's the first, like, really well-crafted story that I can remember. Yeah. That I was able to follow along with. Because, I mean, you're older than me, but that feud started in, what, 88? 88. I've been, like, five years old. I could somewhat understand that this guy and this guy, they were best friends. And now this guy and this guy, this guy's trying to steal this guy's girlfriend. Or that's what this guy thinks. Hey, man, Hogan had his hand all up on Miss Elizabeth's booty. <laughs> I'm just saying. And and he... I, I ain't trying to move in on your broad, brother. <laughs> oh, shit, you grabbed her booty. There's video evidence of it. And and that match at WrestleMania five is one of Hogan's best quote unquote I guess you'd say wrestling matches in the States ever. Yeah. And matches gotta, it, it's you, one you of the better WrestleMania to, main events. You gotta get mad to Macho Man Randy Savage. He went to that motherfucker with that jacked up elbow. Mm-hmm. Didn't miss a beat. And when it went on and this was on my list, this thing went on. For years, yeah. Well, they, like, yeah, you could always go years. Back. You could always go back to Hogan and Savage, and they even they even have rivalry in WCW. And yeah, I just I always thought that I mean, there's just the chemistry between the two guys, and and I know they had an off again, on again relationship and friendship, but um, well, really, yeah. Randy would get mad at Hulk, and then eventually he'd realize he still needed Hulk. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, they. I, I love that rivalry, and and like I said, I mean, to me, out of all of Hogan's manias, that's his best match. People talk about Hogan and The Rock a lot, but that's I think just because it was more iconic. 
But Hogan and Savage, Hogan and Savage is actually a really, really good match. And it's like, like you're talking about, like you know, they have that on again, off again relationship. You know, like the older and the tanner, mm-hmm. and the leatherier that Hogan got. Savage is like, how can I hate you? You're starting to look like a Slim Jim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to snap into it, you know. Snap into that Slim Jim. Digging it. All right, anything else? Nope. On that one? Kyle, anything nope. on Hogan Savage? No? Nope. All right, now the next one I know we can all dig into, dig our teeth into. Um, to me, one of the greatest rivalries of all time, The Undertaker and Mankind. No, oh, that wasn't on my list, but that's a good one. Yep, it's on mine. I mean... Not I, anymore. Those guys... That's another one, like I said about Hogan and Savage. Vince during the mid-90s, could always go back to Undertaker and Mankind. They had great matches together. They just, I mean, there was just, it was from from the minute that that Mankind attacked Undertaker on his very first night in the WWF, it was, to me, it was magic. Like, they, there was no, is he, is he the Undertaker's greatest opponent? Like, greatest rivalry? I gotta think so. Because I, I can't. It's a toss up. It's it's really. I say it's him or Shawn Michaels. Well, I was gonna say I I toss it up, and I didn't put this on my list, and I can't believe I didn't. But I would almost even shoot Shawn Michaels out of there, and I would say it's either Taker and Mankind or Taker and Kane. Yeah. But I don't. Well sounds stupid i don't know but i don't look at kane and undertaker as a rivalry i look at that as a story yeah that makes sense yeah because they were partners they were brothers they were yeah i get what you're saying but and and you're right about sean sean see sean and taker though to me other than at the end of sean's career it never took form quote-unquote as a rivalry they always just seem to be ships passing in the night you know like i look look, i'll explain it later when i get into mine or i can now i look at a rivalry as something that goes for and as you can say the mankind thing too but like Shawn michaels and undertaker a rivalry is something that goes for a good 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 long time you know right and and it has its peaks, it has its valleys, but you know, you know that these guys are kind of at each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's what Sean and Undertaker were. They were the guys that had the longevity, they had the the time in there together, and Sean always, like, you know, the first started, he got, like, the shitty victories over him, and I, I don't know. I, I just think I do agree with you that I would say that Mankind's probably geeks out Shawn Michaels, but I'd say it's Mankind and Shawn Michaels. And the Before other, Kane. Right. And the other, well, the other reason that the Mankind, obviously, other than the way the feud started, and obviously Hell in a Cell 98 being one of the most famous matches of all time, but the other thing that always struck me about Undertaker and Mankind was... 
I don't know that there's ever a rivalry that Undertaker had where he he actually puts he actually lost to an opponent more consistently than he did Mankind. Yeah, like, uh, Mankind and, always had one up on the Undertaker. And you know why else the rivalry was cool? Hmm. Well, because they were never cool with each other. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> like there there there'd be rivalries where guys would feud. And then they they might be cool with each other for a little bit, and then they have a tag team match where they bump into each other, and then the feud starts up again. I don't ever remember a time where it was like tonight we're gonna see this new this new friend Undertaker and Mankind yeah, teaming up to go one on one with you know. Yeah, it never think, happened. I don't think it ever happened. <laughs> like those characters never had a like a. Uh, the rivalry's over. We're cool together, type of thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. At least that I that not that I can remember. Like that's a rivalry that never ended. Anything else on those guys, Kyle? Nope. To me, I just it was like you he put they put each other on the map mm-hmm. at a time when, for all intents and purposes, you know. Undertaker was kind of getting stale. Well, that's what I was about to say. Before Mankind showed up, Undertaker was kind of a one-trick pony. Yeah, and not not saying he wasn't cool as fuck. <laughs> I mean, he was still the Undertaker, but he was kind of a one-trick pony. So, and then Mankind, I think that feud with Mankind broadened the Undertaker character. Yep. Yeah. All right. Next full, on my full disclosure, I'm just making sure you don't have. Uh... Kong Bundy Hillbilly on your list, do you? Damn it. No, I don't. <laughs> next on my list, Making though. Sure. Next on my list, though, it resulted in um, what I think everybody that's a wrestling fan can can regard as one of the better feuds of all time and resulted... I thought you said that wasn't on your list. And, I, and resulted in some of the greatest matches of all time. Where does this... Turkey fit into my plans. We're talking Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. It almost made my list. Yep. It almost did. They're both on on my list, but for different reasons. So I had Flair a couple times, so I took that one off. I mean, their match in Nashville is one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. And their feud is... It went from the 70s to the 90s. Right, and not to mention... I it mean, went through several haircuts. It, it can be argued that from 19... What, like 88 to early 1990, I mean, with with as big as the WWF got, it can be argued, I think, and some people may disagree, some people may agree, but... I think it, it, it is what kept the NWA slash WCW alive. Because other than that, that product was fucking shit for a couple of years. Yep. And those two, I think, their feud, their rivalry, the things that spawned off of it, and just in general, they they kept a territory alive to be able to thrive, and... They made magic in the ring, and um, I, I don't know. It just it was. I, it's 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 
it's wrestling. That, that's one of those. It's one of those rivalries that's going to go down through every generation. You pass it down. You know what I mean? Like people pass shit down, and you pass that down. If you have a kid or you have someone that you know that's younger than you that's a wrestling fan, that's one of those rivalries that you pass down. Like you need to watch this stuff. It's what wrestling's supposed to be. Yep. It was a good All right, next, unless anybody else has anything on Mr. Flair and Mr. Steamboat. My favorite Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat match is the last one. Where Terry Funk's involved at the end? Oh, like the last, last one. Oh, you mean the Slamboree one. Yeah. Is it Slamboree? That's my favorite one. It's got a it's got a weird finish, you know, like kind of a convoluted finish, but just match wise and match quality wise, I think so. I think it's their best match because it's when they're at the, you know, I don't want to say the tail end, mm-hmm. but the peak of how good they were actually going to be. Right. In my opinion. Next on my list, I got three more. And to me, if you look at the past 15 years of wrestling, 15, yeah, 15 years, this is the greatest rivalry of this era of wrestling, I guess you'd say. And it is John Cena and Edge. Wasn't on my list, but that's a good feud. It is a good feud. Mine... I have John Cena on mine, but he's not against Edge. So. I, I think, and and the reason I put I put Cena and Edge as of this era of wrestling to me, it is the greatest rivalry. It was, and and uh, to me, Edge it will always go down as Cena's greatest opponent. It's kind of like you talk about, you know, like Ricky Steamboat, or you know, like. Ric Flair was Ricky Steamboat's greatest opponent, and Sting was Ric Flair's greatest opponent, and et cetera, et cetera. And to me, Edge and Cena are each other's greatest rivalries. And it's it it was I think it's a fantastic rivalry. And again, Aaron, like you said about a couple of that we've talked about earlier, like Hogan and Savage and stuff, it was one of those ones that when they didn't have anything to do, hey, fuck, let's go back to Cena and Edge. Yeah, you know. And it's because these two guys work so well together. They have a great chemistry together. The the stories were great. I mean, Edge slapping fucking Cena's father. And just... And, you know, it was in that time where the fans wanted to rebel against Cena. And then Edge comes out and cashes in his money on the bank. And, of course, he's got to cash it in on fucking Cena, you know. Like, that that's what's going to get the biggest pop. And it started from there, and it just went on. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, – to me, it's one of my greatest – It's to me, it's the it, – honestly, of the past 15 years, it's the best rivalry. Yeah. All right. Next, unless there's anything else on Cena and Edge. No. Uh. Next is – and uh, actually, one guy dominates my top two. The first one, and this is again, folks, this is our favorites. This is our, you know, our personal favorites. So not necessarily what you might think is the biggest box office or whatever, because if you're talking about box office, to me, you got to be talking about this one. 
Austin McMahon. Yeah, it's on my list. Damn. I knew that was going to be on everybody's list, but I hope to be. Now, from a box office standpoint, I don't know. I think uh, probably Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and Steve Austin and Vince McMahon are the two biggest box office attractions ever. But the reason I put the reason I put the edge over to Austin and McMahon over Hogan and Andre or anybody else, I say, as far as not personal opinion but just business opinion is. Austin McMahon created an entire fucking era of wrestling. Like, it, everything built off of Austin McMahon. Yeah. Not just that, but it's still going on today. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that's that's rivalry. You know, I mean, it's something that tomorrow, if Stone Cold shows up, you know it's going to be with Vince McMahon. Or one of his kids. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know that that can be argued. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how much, how much we have to expand on it. It's um, fucking Austin McMahon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that they go together. It's like peanut butter and jelly. It, the, one of the greatest things about their rivalry, I know Aaron and I have talked about this, is, and I don't know if it was. If it was something they did consciously or subconsciously or what it was. But as long as those two guys rivaled each other, as long as they feuded with each other, everything, everything. Vince McMahon started to develop not an immunity, but a tolerance for the stunner. Sir. (laughs) The first time he flopped like a fish. The last time he got up and was just... And got stunned again. Yeah, I was just angry about it. <laughs> he was so used to getting stunned that it it hardly phased him anymore. It was yeah, just... like last, <laughs> like the first time he had to go to a fucking hospital. The second time he's like, oh, I fucked up my afternoon. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, God my favorite, my favorite part of the last one was <laughs> he's just like, I'm old. I haven't been well. <laughs> Uh, and and you know what? It's it's. I just recently watched it too. One of the coolest things ever to me in the history of the WWE is watching Vince induct Steve into the Hall of Fame. Vince's speech. Yeah. Vince's speech is great. I love how Vince no sells the what chance during that speech. But all right, so now we'll go to my number one, and this is my number one, and it involves Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it's Stone Cold. Sorry. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Hart Foundation. Oh, that wasn't the one I had. No, that's not the one I had. But one of my it, it, it is it is Austin and the Hart Foundation is my favorite rivalry ever. That's a good point. The, re- the reason I say Austin and the Hart Foundation is he feuded with the Foundation, but because he was one of the things I love about that feud is because he was anti-authority and because he was the asshole that nobody liked. He essentially just, the only time he ever had allies is when those allies also hated the Hart Foundation. You know what I mean? Like It was, yeah. it was a, common, a common hatred thing. It wasn't a friendship thing. So Austin had many random 
partners and random allies in his feud against the Hart Foundation, but he was consistently feuding with the Hart Foundation. You go through a feud with, I mean, he essentially has a feud with all of them. You know, he has a feud with Pillman, he has a feud with Bulldog, he has a feud with Owen, he has a feud with Brett, which is probably one of the greatest rivalries in wrestling history, or one of the greatest, it resulted in one of the greatest WrestleMania matches ever, and some of the greatest shit ever on television. Um, but they smack Sue around. <laughs> well, that I mean, fucking think about the ambulance roll. You know, with Brett going in the fucking ambulance. Oh, I Austin. thought you were talking about the Jerry Lawler one. <laughs> I don't think the ambulance made the air on that one. That's the snore raw. Yeah, that's the feud between Lawler and Barbecue. <laughs> and Coca- that rivalry. Coca Cola. <laughs> Almost took him out. Uh, and I quote. Anyway, but yeah, Austin, Austin driving the ambulance, and then the match at WrestleMania 13, and and Austin's feud with Owen Hart, where he said he was gonna make him pull. Where he's gonna, he said he was gonna, you gonna try and make me pull down your little panties and kiss your ass. <laughs> anyway, yeah, just Austin versus the Hart Foundation in general is my favorite rivalry of all time. All right. It's a good pick. Can we take a quick break and then do mine? Now, I want to what I want to do before we take a break, oh. real quick. And if if either one of if any of them are on your lists, we will not discuss them. But I want to bring up my honorable mentions. I have 3. One of them is comedic, the other two are serious. The first one is comedic, and that is Roman Reigns versus the fans. <laughs> I mean, it, it, to be honest, I mean, you look at the past five to six years. Well, since 2014, you look at the past four years of wrestling, and that's the greatest rivalry in wrestling. Uh, the other one is, and I, the reason this one didn't make my top ten is because a lot of it didn't happen in the ring. It happened out of the ring, and that's Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. So am I. That well, Kyle, don't say fuck. We can talk about. It. We'll talk about it when we get to your list. But their their rivalry just didn't make my list because to me, not enough of it happened in on TV. And then the other one, and I'm sure this didn't make anybody else's list, but it made mine because I love watching these two guys wrestle each other or beat the ever loving fuck out of each other. It's Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka. It wasn't on my list either, but that's a good one. I have two honorable mentions. You get you get two guys like I mean, you get Awesome and Tanaka together, and they just beat the ever loving shit out of each other, and it is entertaining. <coughs> what is uh, JBL said? It's like he's like a flying couch. Is that what he called? No, <laughs> Mike Awesome jumps over and they like smash through a table, and he's like he's got the flat path of a couch. <laughs> Anyway. JBL, JBL, and Eric Bischoff do that entire one night stand because mm. they have like the audio commentary or whatever. Yeah, I have the DVD. Yeah, those two are fucking drunk the whole time. <laughs> and I haven't watched it yet, but apparently the dinner for three or whatever they call it. Uh huh. Um. JBL and Eric Bischoff are drunk during that thing. Ooh. I haven't watched it. 
but according to Bruce Pritchard's podcast, fucking Bischoff at least is hammered, and JBL's a little drunk. Well, we're going to take a break. And we will come back, and we will have Aaron and Kyle's top ten rivalries. I'm going first. Of all the times. We'll be right back after this with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate, Aaron, and Kyle with here with you, and we are working through our top ten lists this time around. Top ten favorite personal rivalries of all time. And Aaron, you are up to bat next. All right. Who was opening a beer? Huh? Who was opening a beer? Who was opening a beer? Was that? Oh, it was you, wasn't it? No. (laughs) You told me I was being too quiet, so I sped up. All right. <laughs> well, anyway, we're going to move into your top ten favorite rivalries of all time. So anything that happens in the next 40 to 45 minutes is your fault. So <laughs> I take full responsibility. Which ones were on my list that were on your list? Huh? Which ones that were on my list were on your list? The ones I took off my list? So, well, we want the so listeners So next to up. Know. The um, listeners. Huh? We want the listeners to know which ones were on your list that were on my list. Um, Hogan Savage mm-hmm. was on there. Dig it. And then, um, shit. How was it? Bam Bam Bigelow and Bastion Booger? You said shit. No. I just... no. Um, I don't remember. Sorry. It's all right. Go ahead. Oh, Austin McMahon. Okay. That was in... I should remember that. Um, This is in no particular order. I'm just going to go through them. Okay? The first one on my list is Austin and The Rock. Not on my list, but damn good rivalry. I mean, a feud that essentially main evented three WrestleManias... And to find an era of wrestling. So you can't really argue with that one, folks. That's why it's on there. I mean, I, did, I, I don't think that anybody that watches wrestling, I don't think that few needs any explanation of why it's on the list. It's the definition of the Attitude Era, in my opinion. Yes. Dearly Trailer Park Trash. <laughs> yeah. And... Like I said, they're just, there's two, every era, there comes along two guys that are made to be with each other. And that's why I said Cena and Edge. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's, yeah, you're absolutely right. And that was Austin and The Rock. And Hogan Savage. Hogan Savage. Austin Rock, Flair Steamboat, you know, mm-hmm. those guys belong together. Like peas and carrots. <laughs> or 
bologna and cheese. <laughs> like they, they're just good together. Bologna and cheese. Also, the way Paul Heyman smells. So that's <laughs> when he's on the beach. <laughs> Say anything else on that? All right, all right, all right, all right. I don't, I don't necessarily have anything else to expound on it because it kind of speaks for itself, but I will ask you guys each a question here. Like I said, they essentially main-evented three WrestleManias, 15, 17, 19. Which one is their best WrestleMania match? 19. Really? I'd say 17. I like 19. See, I, I agreed with Kyle on that when I said 17. I understand why you say I think 19 more has like more of a sentimental feeling to it because it's really it's it's literally Steve Austin's last match. And I mean, but yeah, 17 is my favorite of the three. I like 19. And nobody voted for 15 because it's a Jeff Jarrett style walk and brawl. Anyway, go ahead. All right. Um, next on my list is um, Nate. You talked about it like briefly before. Is Raven and Tommy Dreamer? To me, Raven and because it was an entire company. Yes, the feud between Raven and Tommy Dreamer is essentially ECW. <laughs> you know what I mean? When that feud started, ECW got super interesting. When that feud ended, ECW petered out. Yeah, and so much of of ECW, I mean, to me... Characters spawned out of it. Mm-hmm. Rivalry spawned out of it. The most important... It was the nucleus of ECW was Tommy Dreamer versus Ray. Yes, the the three, to me, the th- and, and Kyle, you are probably, I always say this, you're the ECW fan, the ECW expert on this show. And you can disagree with me if you, if you, if you want, but to me, personally, the three things, the three things that are ECW to me are Shane Douglas throwing down the championship and being Shane Douglas... Tommy Dreamer and Raven, entirely, and um, Rob Van Dam. That's ECW yeah. to me. That's that that if I if I'm going to describe ECW in 15 seconds, that's how I describe ECW. Yeah, like I said, I mean everything came out of it. Like people talk about like you know the Blue Meanie and Stevie Richards. Well, that would came out of Raven and Tommy, or that came out of the Raven Tommy Dreamer feud. Mm-hmm. Brian Lee came out of the Raven Tommy Dreamer feud. Just all of it just came out of it. The the Raven getting with Sandman's wife and taking the kid that came out of the fucking Tommy Dreamer. It, it all spawned out of all of that. Right. Like, Raven would get heat with other people because they were trying to help Tommy fight Raven's, Raven's nest. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it all circled back and came back to that. It, it was the it was the best story Paul Heyman ever told. I agree. What do you think, Kyle? Yep. And I like the fact that it wasn't until Raven left that he actually won. Mm-hmm. 
you talk about a rivalry where it's one sided for one way and it finally pays off. Absolutely. And it even went through um Raven leaving and coming back. And then you, you know what I mean? Like and then you and then you get into shitty ninety nine, which is like I said last or no, not last show, two shows ago it was one of the worst years in wrestling history for a promotion it was ECW in ninety nine. Like um, one of the coolest visuals ever is Tommy, I won the tag team title and then he looks up and he's like, Ah fuck. <laughs> I still I'd rather watch I would ECW. with this guy. I'd rather watch ECW ninety nine than WCW fucking two thousand. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like this guy's like, "Yeah, I won the tag team title." Oh, God Fuck. damn it! God damn it! This motherfucker! <laughs> but no, I mean it, it's a great feud and it's a great rivalry. Absolutely. Anything else? That's all I got. Yep. All right. Next on my list would be. I got a couple more, and I want to pick a good one. I mean, they're all good, but it would be the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express. You fucker! Hey, you, you gotta tell me your name first. Be uh. She said, "You fucker." Cornette. I fucking my cornet. But anyway, that feud. Is kind of like the Raven. Uh, not, I shouldn't say it's kind of like, but it's like the Raven Dreamer feud that it went on forever, and it would die. Up, and other guys would go and do their thing, and they could always come back to it, and it never really ended. I mean, to this day, it still goes on. <laughs> yeah, now they just argue over autograph tables. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, you're right. And who gets to use the ramp first? <laughs> but yeah, the Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, and you know what? A lot of that is attributed to a genius and one of my favorite Jim wrestling. Cornette. Yes, one of my favorite wrestling personalities ever, Mister Jim Cornette. Because no matter what incarnation of the Midnight Express it was, Jim Cornette was always there. He was the guy that they wanted to beat the shit out of. Mm-hmm. And you know, oh, go you got you got to think that if the great, you know, look at the Hall of Fame inductions, and the the best ones are the when the rivals are the ones who induct, right? And when you look at it, you see, you know, it's Austin by McMahon, the Rock and Roll Express was inducted by Jim Cornette. I mean, it's it's fitting. They have a. But, um, the 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 rivalry like they're they're like the tag team version of the feuds we've talked about like Hogan and Savage and um um Cena and Edge or Mankind and Undertaker where you could always go back to that because people wanted to see those two teams have a confrontation with each other and have a match with each other and the other thing that's great about that feud is there was never any doubt about who were the good guys and who were the bad guys. But the, Mid- the Midnight Express was never the good guys. 
you could even say this against um like under here and mankind and the rock and steve austin because even though like 1995 or not 1995 the um wrestlemania 15 wasn't a bad match you know mm-hmm. but like you said it was like a jeff jarrett walker brawl deal i never saw the Midnight express and the rock and roll express have a bad match nope i mean i'm not counting midnight express like bob holly bart gun i'm not talking about that that should be expunged. Shouldn't even talk about that. That's been wiped from my brain. Okay. I'm talking like, you know, Bobby Eaton, Dennis Condry, Bobby Eaton, Stan Lane, and Ricky and Robert. Never had a bad match. Ever. All right, who's next? Well, oh. Uh, sorry. I. <laughs> thought somebody would have more to say about that. I thought one of you guys were going to try to be like, oh, well, their match in 1990 at Capital Combat was complete butt. <laughs> I thought somebody would try to say something like that. Nope. No, okay. healing on, on you on that one. So I made a valid point. Jesus. You're welcome. If some Was somebody fapping? That's not what we do on this podcast. That's only on the Patreon. Sorry, <laughs> anyway. I'm sorry. I'll throw away my papkins. <laughs> Thank you. Next. Next on my list is Ric Flair and Sting. Fucker. Once again, you have to tell me your name first. <laughs> Ric Flair is definitely Sting's greatest opponent. Yep. And it is the story of WCW. Because the greatest storyteller of all time, Vince McMahon, told us so. (laughs) And he writes history, right? Yes, he does. Because he owns it. (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) But honestly, I know I'm joking, but honestly it is. No, It's it's what WC, not NWA, it's what WCW was built on at the beginning and the last match is Ric Flair versus Sting. It is the story of WCW. Yes. It is, absolutely. And and it is it is if you want to go if you were a young pro wrestler or you were a really good young pro wrestler, let me put it that way. You're really good. You're naturally talented. You're going to be Without a doubt, you know, say you're a young Randy Orton. You're going to be, without a doubt, one of the greatest of all times. You're a fantastic performer. You you put on great matches. You have great psychology. You, this, this feud, and this is not a knock on Sting before I say it. It's going to sound like it is. This feud is what you would show someone to say this... You put yourself in Ric Flair's position in this in this rivalry. This is how you can help to make your opponent help you draw money. Yep. This is how you help 
to make someone else a star so that you guys can draw money for years to come. Because Ric Flair took a, a big, hard blob of muscle with a lot of heart in Sting. Ric Flair turned Sting. If, if, if Sting never would have feuded with Ric Flair, Sting never would have been a star. Let's be honest. And that is not a knock on Sting. Because what I'm saying is Ric Flair, you watch Ric Flair bring the star out of Steve Borden. You know what I mean? Like you you watch him bring out of him what he didn't know he had almost. And um, I'm not Sting's biggest fan overall. I, I think that... I mean, hindsight twenty twenty. I think that his career was kind of mediocre, and he he could he could Sting, Ow! Sting well Sting was that's one what of, he would, <laughs> Sting, what he would say. Ow! To me, Sting was one of those guys that was really good when he was in the ring with somebody really good. Yeah, does that make sense? Like Sting, Sting was not the guy that was going to carry somebody subpar to him to a great match or a great feud. But if you put him in a feud or a match with somebody that was really good, he was definitely, he definitely had the talent to hang with them. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. It's two totally different types of styles, but the way you're describing it, you know who I'd say it is. Mm. And you're going to say, you might say I'm completely out of left field. Kevin Nash. No, you're right. You're right, because I watch Kevin Nash. If I watch Kevin Nash wrestle Wrath, that is completely uninspiring. But if I watch Kevin Nash, Nash wrestle and sell for Rey Mysterio, it's my favorite big man, little man feud ever. Or the shit he did with Bret Hart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can, I can see what you're saying. Like, I've watched a Sting match with Ric Flair. I mean, like, this is phenomenal. And then I watch a Sting match with Avalanche, and no disrespect to John Tenta, because in the 80s, and and when he was in the WWE, John Tenta was really good for a big dude, but by the time he wound up in WCW, eh, you know. He was collecting a not paycheck. Not so good. Huh? He was collecting a paycheck. Yeah. Uh, it was like, oh. I went from watching Sting work with the greatest wrestler of all time to a fuzzy beanbag. <laughs> but anyway, I get what you're saying that Flair hates Sting, but that's also why it's such a great rivalry, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We were talking about it. Like, people may, like... Flair made this guy so he could go on to have great feuds with people like Vader and Ricky, or I almost said Ricky Steamboat, um, Jake the Snake Roberts, um, Rick Rude. Hulk Hogan. Guys like, but it all, what did it always come back to? It always came back to Ric Flair. Like, my favorite one is when he's going to team with Ric Flair to fight Brian Pillman and Arn Anderson and Sting just admits that he's like, I know 
I know you're they're going to fuck me. I know you're going to fuck me. I know you're going to fuck I'm me. But I'm hoping against hope <laughs> that you're not. But if I, he's like, I, I'm telling you, I'm going to go into this match. If Rick, you turn on me. He's like, Rick, it isn't your DNA to fuck me I tonight. I'm going <laughs> to fucking lay you out if you turn on me. And fucking flared up anyway. And it's fucking <laughs> phenomenal. I love it. Next. Next on my list is um, Hulk Hogan versus Bobby Heenan. Oh, good one. I know it's a good one. one. That's why I said it. Nobody hated Hulk Hogan more than Bobby Heenan. And nobody hated Bobby Heenan more than Hulk Hogan. In the scheme of professional wrestling. In my opinion, I didn't put it number one on my list, but it it is number one on my list. It, it never ended. Even when Hogan turned heel, Bobby Heenan was like, you know what, fuckers? I told you guys, he was a piece of shit. Well, he even says it when Hogan comes out. He's like, whose side is he on? Whose side is he on? Fuck that guy. That feud went from the 1980s up until the time... Well, shit, it even started before the WWF. Yeah, it was like in the fucking AWA. Yeah, with Bachwinkle and Hogan. Yeah. I, I honestly think that Hogan and Bobby is the greatest rivalry, greatest feud in the history of professional wrestling. I should have saved it until the end, but that's what I think. Kyle? That is a very good pull. Because you're talking about it spanned the companies, it spanned... I mean, fuck, if if, if poor Heaney could talk, it would have continued on. Can you imagine? Can you imagine fucking Bobby Heenan Bobby there in he- 2003 when Hogan returned, or Bobby Heenan in 2017 or 2016 being like, "I told you Hogan was a racist." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I told you Slick. Heard the words I heard him saying. I told Slick in '89 Hogan was a racist. <laughs> Heenan was, I mean, just, Heenan just was, like Heenan, all the people. Heenan was the dirty. Heenan was the dirty weasel that got Andre the Giant to turn on his friend Hulk Hogan. And then just look at all the people after that. He started throwing at him. And Heenan was the dirty weasel that brought this fucking guy from the NWA, Ric Flair, who's all, who's been saying he's the world champion. All these he brought years. an he brought an evil king over from the NWA. Right? Yes, he did. He paid an evil fucking minister to start a show. Well, he didn't pay, but he brought an evil minister onto the show to like start setting this guy up. And Bobby and Brother Love were always in collusion to try to take Hogan out. The dude was the man. And he always had somebody to throw at Hogan. And if he wasn't throwing it, if he wasn't throwing a wrestler at Hogan, he could throw shade on him. You know what I mean? Yes. Bobby never, ever 
had a positive thing to say about Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan never had a positive thing to say about Bobby Heenan. Even when Hogan was a heel. Yeah. I'm just saying, Hogan and Bobby, best feud ever. Best rivalry. I shouldn't say feud. Best rivalry ever, in my opinion. Who's you got? Who's you got? Who's you got next? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Because it sounded like you just about had Bell's palsy. I might have. I might have had a stroke. Okay. Stroke out there. The next on my list is another Hulk Hogan feud. It's Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper. Motherfucker. Yeah, I didn't make my list. You guys got anything to say on it? Well, you guys should talk about that one because it's not on my list. I don't... <sighs> it is It is the ultimate good versus the ultimate evil. Well, see, I mean, that's how I feel about um, Hogan and Bobby. It is... I mean, it, my God, it's it's the basis for the first WrestleMania. It's a rivalry that went on not only in WWE, but then, think about it, they reversed the roles in WCW. Okay. Where it was, the Piper was the good guy and Hogan was the bad guy. Here's, why, here's where, <clears throat> one of the main reasons that Hogan and Piper... It doesn't make my list of one of the great rivalries is I don't think that as a heel Roddy Piper ever appropriately put over Hulk Hogan as the babyface. It loses to me it loses something with that. Like Roddy Piper never put Hogan over is that, and I'm not saying Hogan had to be like like Piper had to be. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? I'm saying that I think he put him over, to maybe put him over more appropriately because he the didn't. heel. He never lost to him by pinfall. Hogan would say something, and Piper would just like Hogan never. And I'm talking about I'm not talking about the talents because I, I I mean as a promo I think Piper was a better promo than Hogan. And I'm actually a bigger fan of Piper overall than Hogan. But what I'm saying is, as a heel, and that was one of my biggest problems with Piper, is as much as I liked him, I never, ever, ever, other than with Bret Hart, to be honest with you, or maybe Ric Flair, I never thought Roddy Piper ever put anybody over enough that he was feuding with, or that he was... That's one of my that's one of my bad tastes in my mouth with Roddy Piper. Okay, well, this is my thing with with it okay Okay. Okay. he never put anybody over enough well nobody ever got over enough on him that's partly his fault because no no because somebody you're telling you're telling me i gotta be the heel okay right but what i'm saying in in an era of wrestling we just got done talking about how sting was not that good but rick flair made him that good roddy piper was not willing to do that for anybody Okay, but then didn't you... Okay, I shouldn't say didn't you. My thing is, it's like... On the flip side of it, okay? Mm-hmm. Say I'm working with a guy. Just preface this by I'm not hating on Piper, guys. I just okay. want to put that out there. Well, 
preface this on this. <laughs> I'm Roddy Piper. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's me. You're going to try to expound some shit on me, and then you're going to throw it back at me? Well, then I'm going to throw it back at you. You try to, up, like, like... But that's not. How do, do, that's how not, do, that's do you not, get what I'm saying? No. Well, yeah, I get what you're saying, but that's not doing business. If you're cast as the heel, at the end of the day, you're supposed to come out looking like the dumbass. No matter in the entire feud, no matter how much you your your character was convincing and they thought they were right in a in a story of good and evil, in a story of heels and baby faces, your character at the end of the day. Needs to look like you were the fucking idiot. And he never... He always came out of every rivalry. Well, I guess I should say... If he never came out of every rivalry looking like the idiot... He came out of every rivalry at least equal. And that's not how it's supposed to wind up. He came out better than you. Right, and that's not how it's supposed to wind up. In a story of good and evil. you to be better than... Um, and it's just I don't know. That's that's always been my thing about Piper. Is I re- he's funny. He's he's decent in the ring. Like as far as putting on a good wrestling match, he's a fantastic promo. But Roddy Piper, as a bad guy, never put a baby face over properly. Ever. Ever. And he shouldn't have. All right. Who's next? I'm just saying, Roddy Piper's the greatest heel ever. Just putting that out there. Um, next on my list is Dusty Rhodes versus Ric Flair. Awesome. Probably, let's be honest, probably as far as promos go, if you were just going to watch a feud in promo, <laughs> you would watch That's this feud. That's to watch. But Todd, time's on my family. Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. And you know what? Aaron? Huh? You know my how much I love Big Dust. You, yeah. know, you know Dusty Rhodes is one of my favorite performers of all time. But I will, I will, I will undercut myself to make my point. I feel that Roddy Piper was to heal as Dusty Rhodes was to Babyface. And that's what I'm saying. Yes. Dusty never appropriately put over the heel he was feuding with. There was always something that, like, Dusty never... Dusty booked himself the way Vince McMahon booked John Cena. (laughs) Like... I'm saying that I love that's what Dusty I'm Rhodes. I love Dusty this, Rhodes. This is but, what I'm saying. But Dusty Rhodes is always like, "It's all right, Ric Flair beat me." You know why, baby? Because I'm back in dream. I got a big old fucking house. You know what I'm saying? Like he never, yeah. he didn't sell it. And and and, and Ric Flair never did what Piper should have, like, like what Piper did, where he could have been like Piper would say, you know, he'd say. 
he'd point out Flair's, or Piper would point out Hogan's, like, deficiencies. You know what I mean? If that's not the right word, I'm sorry. But Flair should have been like, you know what, man? You're fat and you have a lisp. (laughs) Huh? You're fat and you have a lisp. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in phenomenal condition. I have beautiful hair and hot chicks banging me. You got man tits and a cowboy hat and big broads chasing you. (laughs) How about now? And then just walk away. Because that and put... let that guy sink or swim on it. To me, a rivalry is a rivalry. Austin and Rock, honest to God, in 1998, those guys sparred verbally. Yes. They did. They gave 50-50. They sparred. They went out there and they talked their shit and whoever won on it live would win on it live, you know? And they did, I know they did it like in a fun type of way, but it is, it, it was what it was. And that's why I think Piper, I'm going back to like Piper. That's why I think Piper's the greatest heel of all time because Roddy Piper, honestly, and I, I love Ric Flair, and he's my favorite wrestler, but Roddy Piper's the greatest heel of all time because Roddy Piper went out there, and he didn't give a fuck about anything else but Roddy Piper. He cared where nobody else went on the card other than him. Greatest heel of all time is Roddy, Roddy Piper. We could do a entire episode of us debating this, but I'll say, what's your next one on this list? Are you trying to, is that your way of saying I was babbling? No, that's my way of saying that at some point we can probably have this discussion as an hour conversation. But for the purposes right. of this show. Last one on my list mm-hmm. is Vince McMahon versus Ted Turner. <laughs> hey, touche. <laughs> yeah. Vince, I'm in the wrestling business. Let's go, Ted, because I'm in the sports entertainment business. But if you want to go with the realest rivalry in the history of professional wrestling, it's Vince McMahon and Ted Turner. And you know who won that feud? Everybody. (laughs) The wrestling fans, yes. Yep. And actually the wrestling fans kind of lost that feud too because at this point, as far as wrestling goes, Vince McMahon has kind of become Ted Turner. Yeah. You'll eat it and you'll like it. <laughs> but anyway, yes. Vince that's Mc- what that's what Moolah used to tell Diamond Lil. <laughs> Is Danny Brown really coming over tonight? You'll eat it and you'll like it. <laughs> you'll eat it and you'll like it. Anybody in this audience that got a Denny Brown reference? Touche. Good job. Well, anybody else, the guy you eat it and you like it, Diamond Lil, Moodle <laughs> reference. <laughs> Boom. How you like me now? All right. So Vince McMahon, Ted Turner, is your number one. Yeah. 
Well, Ted Turner doing what Ted Turner did brought the best out of Vince McMahon. And really, like I said earlier, we watched the Monday Night when we when I talked about Hogan as a heel. We watched the Monday Night Wars at the time, rooting for our favorite promotion. But we look back on it with twenty twenty vision now, and we look at it from more of a business standpoint or a smarter standpoint. You know, retrospect is always smarter. Twenty twenty hindsight vision is always smarter, and it's always more reflective and intelligent. And the the reason I like that pick, Vince McMahon and, and Ted Turner, is nobody ever brought out the best of Vince McMahon more than Ted Turner. Yeah. Cause Vince McMahon because Vince McMahon is one of those guys, a competitive guy, backed in the corner, he's going to do the best work he can do. You're going to get the best out of Vince McMahon when he's backed in the corner, which is why I wish, wish that business would bottom out right now. Oh, give it time. (laughs) The problem is that Vince has the new Ted Turner on his side. So, you know, Rupert Murdoch, I know Rupert Murdoch's been around for a long time, but he's basically the modern-day Ted Turner. Well, even if it wasn't Rupert Murdoch, Vince McMahon is... Like, wrestling has changed in that it's not WWE, WCW, AWA, ECW, etc., etc. Now, 2018, wrestling is not anything that any of us have ever, the three of us, have ever experienced. It is, wrestling's a different thing now. Wrestling is, at least in the United States, in the United States market, in the corporate world, wrestling isn't wrestling. Wrestling is WWE as a brand. You know what I mean? Like, wrestling isn't wrestling. It's... WWE is Disney. But... WWE is Disney. WWE is... Wait. I don't know if I'm making any sense here. But... WWE is a brand now. It's not a... It, wrestling isn't wrestling. It's just... It's WWE. Yep. It's a it's a band-aid. It's Star Wars. It's Marvel. It's... It's Thermos. It's Batman. Exactly, yes. It's a trademark now. It's a... It's a, it's a brand. It's not a form of... I don't even know. It's, it's too much to get into at the moment. Usually when I would cut my finger... Back in the fifties, I would say, "Can somebody get me a adhesive medi- bandage, a, a medical adhesive strip?" And now, when I cut my finger, I'm like, "Can somebody get me a band aid?" Right. Can somebody that's what get, WWE is. What do you want for breakfast this morning? A toaster pastry. What do you want for breakfast this morning? A pop tart. Yes, yeah. yeah, it's a brand. It's not a it's not a facial tissue, it's a Kleenex. You're right. That yeah. was a good that was a good 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 call. Good call. So right. now I need Ted Turner to come back and start a network and put some real 
good wrestling on there to give Vince a reason to fucking do something. This Ring of Honor ain't gonna do it. Fucking, um... By the time New Japan gains that kind of ground, Vince will be dead. Yukon Jack up there neck, up north about the fucking impact. That shit ain't gonna do it. Alright, well we're gonna take a break. And we're going to come back with Kyle's top ten. I have one honorable mention. We don't even have to talk about it. Just one honorable mention. Mm-hmm. And it's Jerry Lawler versus Andy Kaufman. Good honorable mention. That was my one honorable mention. It's a great few. And at this point in the show, when I edit it, I will play Jambalaya. <laughs> In honor of Andy Kaufman. But we'll take a break. We'll come back. Kyle's top ten rivalries are next. How many do you have left? I have one, two, three, four. Go ahead. All right. We will come back. We'll be right back after this with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Right what you mean? Yeah, that's it. That's Wrestling fans, welcome back to the Weekend Wrestle Podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, any any podcast app that you can think of, we are available. We thank you all for listening to us, and also just a reminder, you can check us out at www.motleysoup.com, and check out the Motley Soup Podcast as well, there's my shameless plug. And now we'll continue our top tens, Kyle. Your top ten rivalries, you said you only have four left. Yes. So which ones have we covered that you have had to nix off your list, just so everybody gets a a big picture? We covered Robbie Piper and Hulk Hogan. Mm -hmm. We covered Austin McMahon, Mm -hmm. Thing and Ric Flair, Mm -hmm. Uh, the Freebirds and Von Erichs. All right. Uh, Rock and Roll Express versus Midnight Express and Undertaker versus Mankind. All right. So, give us what was any one of those your number one? Uh, yeah, Austin McMahon. <laughs> Don't sound so defeated. It's okay. <laughs> 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 All right. So, who is? One of the ones that we haven't covered. All right. One of the ones we haven't covered, I'm going to start it off kind of, well, you know what, fuck it. We already talked about it. So, Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. Yes. And like I said, that was one of my honorable mentions. And I think that had it not been for both of them being big diaper babies in 96 and 97, it probably could have been on camera maybe the greatest rivalry of all time. 
because there was oh, I agree. there was real life motherfucking heat up in that bitch. <laughs> well, and also above all else too was the fact that I think what people seem to forget is that what made it good rivalries was the fact that for the most part, Sean and Brett were pretty much the same tag yes. team wrestlers that broke out on their own, became single stars. In the same their era. Careers, their careers kind of mirrored each other. Mm-hmm. Sean got the break, or Brett got the break first more because he was around before or longer than Sean and probably had Vince's confidence most. But Sean was, at the end of the day, a better in-ring performer than Brett. I mean, I think that's one of the sticking things with Brett Hart, and he will never say it. He'd never admit it because he's Brett Hart, and it's how he operates. But I honestly think that one of the... Looking back on it now, I think one of the biggest reasons for their personal rivalry was it was like Bret Hart was the guy that wanted to be the guy, but then this other guy came along and was really better than him. Yep. I think Bret got boo-boo face about it. Oh, definitely Brett got boo-boo face. Brett, about Brett's it. probably the biggest boo-boo face in wrestling history, even though he's like one of the greatest performers ever. I don't know. I think he's the biggest boo-boo face ever. <laughs> I'm a bigger fan. Whatever. I'm not going to say it. What? Because you guys are, are going to shit all over me, and I don't, I don't, we don't have time for it, so I'm not going to say it. Say it. I like Brett more than Sean. In the ring. I disagree, but... I, I mean, think that Bret Hart tells a more believable story match-to-match match than Shawn Michaels does. I don't think Bret Hart sells near as well as Shawn Michaels. I said he tells a better story. A more believable story. Okay. I well... Think. Fair enough. And that is for another time that we bring that up. Let's, however, move on. Okay. Uh, we're going to go to some women. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Trish, Trish Stratus versus Lita. Trish and Lita? Mm-hmm. My second favorite female rivalry ever. But to what you're saying, probably the most... Trish and Lita, I think, would be the equivalent of Rock and Austin for women's wrestling. At a time when women's wrestling wasn't right, a... yeah. yes, their yes, their rivalry brought women's wrestling new light that it hadn't had in forty years. My God, they main evented Raw. Yes, like, and the reason I say it's my second favorite, my favorite women's rivalry ever is Trish Stratus and Mickey James. But that's yep. because of, do you see what I'm saying? Like, that's because yep. of the whole story, all the psychology, everything. Mickey James is such a fun character. And Trish was, at the time, the best women's wrestler in the world, and et cetera, et cetera. But I agree with you. I mean, Lita and Trish brought attention to women's wrestling that it needed because it was done, son. 
Right. You wouldn't. You wouldn't have. You wouldn't have Becky Lynch and Charlotte and and Oscar and any of that today if it wasn't for Trish and Lita. So good call on that one. And that song was awesome. So, to your credit earlier, you mentioned John Cena versus Edge. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great rivalry. However, I I think a better rival for John Cena was Randy Orton. Or- I think... Or- Orton and Cena... Okay. Let me put this in perspective. No, go ahead and tell you. Give me your point first. You have two guys that started in... Which is what Orton said to Cena. But you have two guys who started in OVW (laughs) together. Mm -hmm. That that was Orton and Cena's gay joke. Oh, nobody's giving me anything on that. They come into their own at the same time. And... It just—it seems like that there has always—it's either you're a John Cena guy or you're a Randy Orton guy, right? And yes, for the for the fact it was done a lot because that it was at one time it was John Cena was the face of Raw and Randy Orton was the face of SmackDown, vice versa. It was—it always seemed like it was. Superman and Lex Luthor with the two of them. Well, and I think I think another reason that it became that way, and then I'll go into another point. But I think another reason that it came that way became that way, and it's not knocking the rivalry, and it's not knocking the guys as competitors. But I think the reason that the main story of WWE over a ten to fifteen year period became John Cena and Randy Orton is because Batista couldn't take a fucking shit without getting injured. Yeah, this is true. Because it was supposed to be Cena and Batista on that. You know what I mean? They were supposed to be the yep. ones that were on that plane. But Batista, every time he went to take a leak, he got a fucking torn quad or a fucking torn tricep or something because he couldn't he couldn't stop working out. So it by default became Cena and Orton. And I mean, luckily, because I, I like Dave Batista, but Randy Orton's a better performer. Randy Orton's a better wrestler. Randy Orton's a better entertainer than Batista. Well, and see, like, the thing is, it's like you have Randy Orton, who is very black boots, black trunks, you know, very traditional, came from, you know, a legacy of wrestling. And you have John Cena, who is blue, blue shorts and and, you know, and all that. And it just, I don't know, like the two, to me, match up really well. The other point I was going to make, and I agree with you, it's a fantastic rivalry, but I'm I'm using Cena in the vein of Hogan, all right? Mm -hmm. If I'm comparing, if I'm comparing Cena to Hogan, I compare, and it's the same reason I, I, I parted with Aaron on Hogan and Savage, Hogan and Piper. I compare Hogan, or I compare Cena and Orton to Hogan and Piper, whereas I compare Cena and Edge to Hogan and Savage, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. So that's that's where I guess we, you know, the three of us part ways on that, but... Yep. And last but not least, and I don't know, this is either number two, 
I, I struggle at times to wonder if that should be number one for me personally. Mm-hmm. But I, I honestly believe when you when you say the word rivalry, you say the word rivals, I think that it has to be summed up between Triple H versus The Rock. Really? Think about it. You have two guys. They were both pretty much the leaders of their own factions. Mm-hmm. They pretty much broke mm-hmm, away yeah. from the same factions. Mm-hmm. You have, I mean, my God, they were the, the guys who started SmackDown. It was always, as much as Austin was there for The Rock, it was always The Rock was there for Triple H right. to be a thorn in his side a lot longer than what it was with Austin, albeit because Austin was injured. Right. Right. But even to this day, they're still having interactions. It's one of those things where it's when you think of the Rockets, everybody goes, well, who's the better of the two? Mm-hmm. And it's a question that hasn't been answered yet. Well, I've, I've always, and, and I'm glad you brought the actually their rivalry up because you're right. And I probably should have put it on my list because. Like you said, they had they they were in the in the in beginning of era of the beginning of year to two to year and a half to two years of Austin's rise or Austin's popularity, not his rise, but his his apex. Those two guys were two uh, A and two B, and because mm-hmm. they were they were rising at the same time. Um, the ladder match at SummerSlam '98, the, yep. the 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 you know the 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 two out of three falls matches for the Intercontinental Title, the last man standing matches, the and you're right. I mean, they when Austin wasn't available, I guess would be the word. Those were your default two guys. And, and think about it, The Rock won his first title from Hunter Hearst Helmsley at a time when. It was Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Rocky Maivia, and they both kind of came into the Attitude Era on their own. And well, and not to mention, I actually have ha- I had a thought in my in my brain one time about when we were talking. I don't know. It wasn't on a podcast. Maybe it was just when the three of us were sitting around together or whatever. But we were talking about what 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 is left to do as far as like dream matches go. And my thing was always one more match between Hunter and rock. And the reason I say the reason that I base that on, and I don't know if WWE would ever even base it on this because WWE wants to form the narrative that they are, they are for their wrestlers. They are the end all be all. All right. For their, for their wrestlers, they're the end-all, be-all. That's all there is. WWE, once I'm WWE champion, I've, I've achieved my life and I can die. So I don't know if they would ever do this story, but I think that a great story to tell for a feud, for a rivalry, for a, a WrestleMania match, etc., would be Rock comes back to WWE and he's gone out into the real world. And he's achieved all the success outside of wrestling. He's the biggest star in Hollywood. 
He is one of the biggest celebrities in the world. His name is known worldwide, much like Hulk Hogan. You go into deepest, darkest Africa, and people know who fucking Rock is. They don't know who Triple H is. Mm-hmm. And Triple H was, you know, best movie Triple H ever made was that shitty one where he was the, the chaperone. And, I mean, to tell that story of Triple H being bitter, they'd never tell that story. And the reason they'd never tell that story is, like I said, they want the narrative to be that the only thing that any of these wrestlers ever want to do is be WWE champion. So this right. this story would never get told in WWE, but I think it would be a fantastic story to tell. Well, I mean, it's basically it's it's our modern day Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. The multi yeah. the the huge media sensation versus the pro wrestler. Yes, and it would be so good. It'll never mm-hmm. get, like I said, it'll never get told for a couple of reasons. First of all, being Vince would never tell that story because that would be Vince admitting that there are things in entertainment or things in, in the world that are bigger than WWE. But secondly, uh, could you ever get those two guys, Rock and, and Triple H, nowadays on the same page? But. Yeah. Now, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I think that that one. I missed that one. I got to say, I missed that one when I was thinking about it. I just like I said to me, it's it's what every rivalry should be—a long, bitter feud between the two that has lasted over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit. Even um, Rock's. Well, all right. Until Rock came back to feud with Cena in a new era, Rock's last match of that era involved Triple H. Or his group, you know, it involved Evolution, which was a group led by Triple H. He wasn't in that match, but his group was feuding with The Rock and Mick Foley. So, yes. Aaron, anything on that? No. All right, guys. Sorry. I think it was a great show. I do, too. I think that for the next show, unless somebody else has an opinion... As the executive producer, I'm going to say, I think the next idea, the idea for the next show would be to do a free form show, which would be going back to, we've done the format once before. I liked it. The what if scenario. Okay. We all come up with a couple of what if scenarios from the past to uh, to propose to the other two, and I think it'll spark some good conversation on the next show. Okay, we'll call it "What If What If Part D." What if Part E? Part D. Part E. Part Deuce. Ah, the double deuce. <laughs> You'll know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, wrestling fans, thank you for joining us. Uh, Aaron. What? Anything else to say to the fans? Any goodbyes or what have you? I'm going to start playing Tootsie. No, I just hope you all wake up in the morning. That's encouraging. Yeah.
But we're almost up to 500 fucking listeners. I don't want to get. I don't want to like go down anymore. Yeah, we don't want anybody to croak. Huh? We don't want anybody to croak. The good news is I don't I don't want you to I don't want you to wake up so you can see your families and loved ones, but by God we can't afford to lose any listeners. So. Well good news is I don't think there's any seventy or eighty year olds listening to podcasts that I know of. There could be people doing crank. You don't know what they're doing. Well, yeah, while they're true. awake. We do well, live if in... you're doing crank, stop it. <laughs> Fucking be smarter than that. Ico Pro, that's the way you should go. Oh, yeah, yes. look what it did to Lex Luger. Fucking <laughs> like paralyzed his ass. <laughs> Luke, Luke Luger, goodbye. It also made him kill fucking Liz, so I don't know. Hey. Kyle, anything else to say to the listeners before we sign off? No, and for all those people booing out there, the fact that I said that about Liz and everything else... I'm not the one that did it. I'm not the one yes, that, fuck Lex Luger. Convinced, that convinced Luger to fucking give those pills to Liz. It wasn't me. I'm not the bad guy. So don't fool me. <laughs> All right. Well, we thank everybody for joining us on the We Can't Wrestle podcast for this week. And like I said, next week we will uh, do some what if scenarios for each other. In the meantime, be kind to each other. Yes, I've got a good one for next week. Oh, good. And thank you for joining us on the We Can't Wrestle Hi. podcast. What? I just was going to say good night because i got to hang up. Good night, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Good night. Don't know just how sad it makes me. Kiss me pretty and damn.